Hey everyone, welcome to episode 111 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me as always, Colin Smolin. Hey Colin. What's, What's up Chris? Not much. Uh, we are, again, not quite recording on our normal day. Yeah. Just sickness abounds in this house, and we <laughs> haven't quite managed to put our regular recording schedule together, but yeah, we're back at it. Yeah, but we're here. We're recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should be back on track next week for our normal live recording on Tuesdays. Yep. And maybe some other fun stuff next week. We've got, got a uh, sort of battle zone set up right, right. outside of my room and yeah. hoping to uh, hoping to do some some grudge match kind of <laughs> content out there. So Yeah. Um, stay tuned. Yeah, definitely stay tuned. This is going to be a like Lotus Box slash MTG Grindcast sort of group project with a bunch of people involved. So yeah, should be great. Should be really cool. We want to thank our patrons before we start. So our newest patrons, thank you so much to Mark V, Brett G, and Marcus C, our newest patrons. Really, really appreciate you signing up. Thank you so much to all of our patrons. Um, I have a box in my car with all of the all of the pins and all of the tokens that I'm sending out, like 100 envelopes that have postage and just need to get dropped off. So I will be doing that tomorrow. And if you'd like to get some of your own, you know, feel free to head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast and go ahead and sign up and come hang out in the Discord. It's a good time. It is. So today we are going to talk a little bit about modern. Some modern stuff has happened since the last time we talked. Not a ton, but modern PTQ and, and a modern challenge. So, you know. And the team on a Grand Prix. Yeah, but we don't have any information from it. <laughs> There's no coverage. All we got were the top four teams deck lists. Right. So that's like 12 decks. Yeah. Not, um, not a lot of stuff, for sure. No, it's not great. But then we're going to spend probably the bulk of the episode talking about Legacy again, because that's what we got coming up. Yep. I've been grinding pretty hard on, you know, a lot of Legacy coming up. Yeah. So uh, I am unfortunately going to be missing Syracuse, just... The travel doesn't really work out for me this time, and yep. the flights were not affordable, so right. missing this one. But GP Atlanta is the weekend after that, and then there's a team tournament, so Legacy pretty relevant to what we're doing, at least. For sure. So why don't we start things off with a Keeper Mole? Um, this is one that Lee had that was pretty interesting at an IQ we played this past weekend. This is Lee's playing Urza. As per usual, uh, this is a six-card hand versus spirits. I think we're on the play, uh, but I don't. I don't totally remember. I don't think it's super important for this hand. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a great six. Uh, the seven cards before we put anything back are a snow plains, two galvanic blasts, a goblin engineer, two Mishra's baubles, and a sword of the meek. Yeah. So threshold question is: Do you keep this hand? And then the follow-up is, what do you put back and what is the plan that we're going for, given this hand? Right. So I'd love to hear your initial thoughts on it. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the initial problem with the hand is that uh, we don't really have a lot of mana sources. Mm -hmm. We have the one snow-covered planes. Mm -hmm. That's it. And we have two baubles. Which really doesn't cast much. Like, (laughs) snow planes cast half of Teferi in this deck. That's the only thing it really does. Yeah, so we're really, you know, leaning on drawing another, you know land or two and we specifically need a red source to turn mm-hmm. on these two galvanic blasts yeah and there's a lot there's astrolab yeah. which is turned on by snow planes yep. uh mox opal and then something like 11 or 12 mm-hmm. lands that will do it so that's like 20 right. sources yeah 20 sources and i think that i'll probably qualify that as like 
you know, probably 16 hits, though, because we're going to want to be popping our bobbles mm-hmm. to find our lands. Right. Um, so if we don't immediately hit those mocks. Right. So so I'm assuming that a mox is likely not going to be able to be turned on with this hand. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to qualify it as like a red source that we could sure. draw. But, you know, all that said, I do think that this six is a keep. Mm-hmm. You know, you really don't want to go much lower than six. And this hand certainly has pretty high upside. Mm. The two Galvanic Blasts are really good in the matchup that we're playing uh, against Spirits. You know, yep. it's pretty important to stave off their early aggression. You know, and we do have several redraws at our our lands. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so the follow-up is, okay, now that we know that, what are we going to bottom? And we, so, I, you know, we need to keep our land, and I think we need to keep the two baubles to mm-hmm. give us ourselves the maximum chance at drawing one. The two Gavilan Blasts are the reason why we're keeping this hand, so we got to keep those. So it's kind of down to the Goblin Engineer versus the Sword of the Meek on what I would bottom here. Mm-hmm. And because the Goblin Engineer can act as a Sword of the Meek, if we draw like half of the combo and we want to find a sword eventually anyways, I'm probably going to bottom the sword here just because the Goblin Engineer is pretty much like a sword, but with you know potentially higher upside. Like mm-hmm. maybe you really need to find a bridge in this matchup. So the Goblin Engineer could could do that, and that could be part of your plan for, mm-hmm. for this game. Yeah, I do also think it's a keep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not great, and I wouldn't fault anybody for going to five for trying to do something slightly yep. better. I think you really have to figure out what your plan is going to be. I, I believe that Lee's line was that keep plan. Keep bottom sword. Yeah, and his plan from there was to get a bridge into play and then kind of protect it from deputies of detention with these galvanic blasts. Sure. But I don't love that because I'm not not excited about the plan to get bridge into play against spirits. Okay. Uh, I just don't think it's a particularly effective plan, uh, both because of the deputy of detention and if we, like, miss a land down this road and they counter it or something or just, like... I'm not comfortable hiding behind a bridge in the Spirits matchup. It seems like something that's not going to work out great. And uh, this hand has the potential to get a couple of cards stuck in its hand and and just, like, not really be able to stop them from killing you. Right. It doesn't, you know, the mana shorthands are definitely not very good at dumping your hand out for bridge. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the problem for me. And, of course, like, that, if you just don't get enough mana, that's probably going to make most of the plans kind of not work very well. Yeah. Um, it's hard to combo if you're only, like, making two thopters at a time. You're really not doing it. Sure. So, but that said, I think, like, to me, the combo is such a good plan against spirits. Like, that's how they have a really hard time against several 1-1 one, one flyers a turn. One of which is a 2-6. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, like, as big as the spirit. <laughs> yeah. Well, 2 Two, three. Or, sorry, two, yeah. three. That's what I meant, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, you know, you, you easily are able to, like, add up your guys unless they manage to get just a ton of lords out. But, yeah. you know, we have Galv Blasts. Yeah. Um, but, so I'm just, my idea here would be to try to keep the combo. Keep the Goblin Engineer, keep the Sword of the Meek. Okay. It's, it's a little slow because you do have to, like, cast the, the Goblin untap with it bring back the thopter foundry yeah and that's definitely not ideal um and unfortunately the thing you have to dump in order to do that with this hand is probably a galv blast yeah and that is unfortunate because galv blast is really good in this matchup but it's also you know not necessarily immediately turned on here that's the same reason we weren't counting a mox opal as a red source yet yeah yeah 
And so, like, the first shock is fine against Spirits. The second one is not. <laughs> right. And, yeah, uh, you know, it, it will be a, a four damage spell a few turns later. You know, that's that's my thinking here. And I don't really know what, I don't know which one of those lines is better. And, of mm-hmm. course, you know, in questions like these, I would default to what <laughs> Lee is choosing to do. Sure, right. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I can definitely see wanting to hedge towards trying to assemble a combo. To me, it feels like it would be a little, it, it would be more likely that a bridge sticks and you can protect it mm-hmm. than being able to assemble a combo, which includes... Keeping you know, Bopter Foundry in play, yeah. Keeping that, yeah. Um, it's kind of, right, it's kind of the same thing. You're trying it is to a similar fight over, thing. you know, what permanent you're sticking. But, you know, I mean, you definitely have a good, good argument where the, the bridge line could go more wrong... Just because you could just, you know, get stuck with a bunch of cards in your hand that you can't cast. Right. And we're also kind of investing resources into getting this bridge in play. Sure. And then that means that we're intending for the game to go for a while, Mm -hmm. which gives them a lot longer to draw outs than if we are, like, making Thopters, which are kind of a disaster for spirits. Right. No, for sure. So that's that's mostly my theory here but i also have not played this matchup enough to be like i know what i need to do exactly i'm mostly going off of gut like what i want what i think i want the board state to end up looking like yeah for sure but you know it's good that we both when approaching this hand thought through what our ideal board state was Mm -hmm. going to be i think that like thought process is definitely the most important thing We, we came to two different conclusions which is interesting but you know i think that goes to show good mulligan theory and also uh how interestingly intricate this urza deck can become it's hard to you play. got a lot of different plans there's so many tutors there's so many yeah it's yeah. difficult to play and i you know i have a paper copy that our friend jay lent to us that mm. i'm just holding on to because it's hard to test this deck online i yeah. just need to jam games with this deck and yeah. so having the paper copy is really helpful for that nice well cool yeah so as far as modern in general a uh, little frustrating experience with a team GP last yeah. weekend. I was able to follow up a little bit on what was going on through Twitter. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people we know, a lot of yeah, SCG yeah. folks were doing great in this tournament. No, for sure. A lot of cool teams. Uh, and just you couldn't watch them. Yep. I just <laughs> was inaccessible to to anything um, online. Not even, I didn't even see any uh, like written like write-ups on their website or anything. No, I and I don't know. I didn't really like specifically look for that because I much prefer to watch cover. Like that's what I want is I want the live GP coverage. Yeah. You know, I want to see it as it's happening because that's really fun. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I like watching people play. So we didn't have that. Oh, well. So we, we end up with like 12 <laughs> deck lists from this whole tournament, just right. the top four teams. Yeah. So that doesn't tell us very much about the modern metagame, unfortunately. No. We did get a bunch of lists from a Moto PTQ as well as the Modern Challenge. The Modern Challenge was very interesting. It was <laughs> won by a Niv Mizzet Reborn. I feel like we talked about this recently. Was it on the podcast? I don't think so. I don't okay. think that we've ever talked about this deck on the podcast because I just don't believe this is a real deck. But <laughs> well, here it is. Here it is. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So. Modern deck, no spell costing less than two, except for Safe Right Quest, which is basically it comes into play tapped land. Great. Uh, for Arkham's Astrolabe. Okay, yeah. So which is basically it comes into play tapped land. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So 
Yeah, and Astrolabe is clearly the thing that is making this deck work. It runs, like, all five snow-covered basics, has Astrolabs, has Prismatic Vistas, and is a straight-up five-color deck based around Niv-Mizzet Reborn and also uh, Bring the Light. Yeah. So it has a total of, I think, seven five-mana spells in this deck. Love it. In this modern deck. Yeah. Uh, Starts the game off with... Renin Six, which I, I guess is enabling a lot of what this is doing. Like, it, yeah, this deck feels definitely like a Renin Six deck. Yeah, so like it, it allows you to continue making your land drops, which is really important because you got to make your fifth one on turn five. I understand kind of this deck. I think the whole point is to beat every mid range deck that anybody else could possibly be playing in this format. Yeah, you're never gonna lose to Jund if you can get a Niv Mizzet Reborn into play. And it's pretty good at doing that. So. No, yeah, I've definitely seen a Niv Mizzet Reborn resolved against a Jund player. <laughs> it was it was something else. Let me tell you, they drew a lot of cards. <laughs> yeah, it's not pretty. Yeah, you gotta run some like kind of medium cards in order to get like all the guilds into the deck. Yep. You know, there's an Is It Charm. There's two Kaya's Guiles. Main deck Unmoored Ego. No, you know. <laughs> main deck Unmoored Ego and a Thought Erasure. Yeah. In a format that we can play Thought Season. Gotta get that Surveil. Oh yeah. I don't like this deck very much. <laughs> sure. But we have to talk about it because yeah. it did win and it's pretty wild. No, it seems sweet. I, I want to scroll down and look at the sideboard because it's got to have some crazy plans against linear strategies well it's 13 one-ofs and two ashiok dream renders All right, so as a burn player i'm gonna take a look at it what do we got <laughs> um, i don't think this deck this deck feels like five percent against. we burn. have one cabal mm-hmm. which is good is not that good against burn <laughs> it gains two life and dies yeah right yeah, yeah great for three mana there's got a kaya mm-hmm. that, that could definitely run away with the game mm-hmm. and a knight of autumn Yep. Oh, and a then weather, a weather the storm. storm. Okay. No. All right. Now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. Weather the storm can can you know put in some work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild. But I'd love. Honestly, I love seeing decks like this do well. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Just and like it, every once in a while, I just get to watch that guy. And you know, a lot of the time it's like at a classic or something, and mm-hmm. I'm just like watching some brew just completely sweep the tables, and I'm just like, yeah, this is it, this is what magic's all about. Just got all the right matchups. Oh and... yeah. Oh yeah. Just crushing them. Because these brews are usually like. Very, you know, high risk, high reward sort of things. They got a lot of like 70, 30 and 30, 70 matchups yeah. is usually how these, how these brews go. Right. Yeah. A Tulsimir friend to wolves. Perfect. Modern. Is car. that the one that gains three life? Yeah. That's the seventh. Something? That's the seventh five drop in the deck. Oh, the, oh yeah. I feel like I, I played that card in my most recent standard IQ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was really good. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's great against Mono Red. Although, if they kill the Tulsimir in response to the comes into play ability, no fight. You, you don't gain life, you don't yep. gain fight. Yeah, it's a bad time. Yeah, so that's, you know, probably not going to come up a lot in modern. Fatal Push yep. doesn't kill Tulsimir. Lightning Bolt kills Tulsimir. Jeez, Tulsimir in a Lightning Bolt format? Anyways. Look, you had to find the Selesnia card somewhere. Yeah, got to get every guild into yeah, here. Or else you're just like yeah, spewing. You're spewing value. <laughs> this, let me tell you, this deck is not about one thing, and that is foregoing any amount of value. No, you've got to get all of the value. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's too much talking about that. Deck, <laughs> Stuff I do want to talk about. Yeah. The Urza decks are starting to coalesce a little bit. Okay. Um, there's still some 
Some people have been experimenting with Stoneforge Mystic, and that hasn't been totally written off yet. That's still, like, kind of a thing. Right. I think the consensus is becoming that Goblin Engineer is the two-drop yeah. to play with, though. Yeah. Um, it's just a little more flexible. You can't just do that, like, one-card, like, here's my board sort of thing that Stoneforge Mystic can do. But it just... I, you can't lose a game after keeping a Goblin Engineer in play for a couple of turns. It just... Mm. It does too many things, so yeah. it's a must-kill that leaves behind some value, yeah. and and that's kind of perfect for the deck. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty firmly in the Goblin Engineer camp. Yeah, I've I've watched Dylan play a lot of both versions, mm-hmm. and Stoneforge looks pretty bad every time it's cast. Yeah, um, you're just not backing up. Yeah, the Stoneforging with a lot, like. And every time I see a Goblin Engineer resolve, it does some crazy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> you know. The card is good. The yeah. card is... It's the one you're supposed to have. If they don't yeah. kill it, like... Right. You assume they're going to kill it. And then when yeah. they don't, you just... You get this, like... You're going to draw an extra card every turn. Yeah. You're going to... Yeah. Like, who knows? Yeah. Your bridge is never going to be gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that... And that's a big thing is, like, other iterations of the deck. We don't really have room for a... Uh, an Academy Ruins anymore. Yeah. And it was never, like, that good to begin with because it's so slow and... So if you don't have Goblin Engineer in your deck, once your, like, artifacts go into the graveyard, they're there forever. And if they're a necessary lock piece or something, then you're just not really able to do it anymore. And yeah. Goblin Engineer at least gives you that out. So maybe that's not a real reason to have Engineer, but it comforts me to know that, like, it's not gone forever if I need to get this bridge back into play. <laughs> yeah. Another thing is that... You know, I guess, like, part of the motivation behind cutting Goblin Engineer is, like, ooh, you can get the red out of our deck. But you don't gain that much when you have eight five-color producing artifacts, and the man is just very good. And one thing that I kind of noticed, and, and Lee had noticed, and actually had four in his 75, but uh, Galvanic Blast is probably the best, like, cheap removal spell you can play in the deck. Yeah. Kills the small stuff, kills all of the collector oofs and that sort of thing, and devoted druids or whatever, goblin guides, uh, but then also scales up to kill m- the most important stuff, like Urza's and the Mirror mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And, like, Fatal Push does is very similar, but it also can't target Planeswalkers. And yeah. so uh, sometimes you do get the chance to Galvanic Blast a car in the Great Creator that would just beat you otherwise, right. and Fatal yeah. Push doesn't have that mode. So Yeah. Um, no, I mean I'm pretty firmly in the in in that camp as well. Yeah, God Blast is a it's a it's a it's an age old you know artifact card. Four damage for one mana. I don't know why we ever went away from it to be honest. Yeah, it's just <laughs> really good. Yeah, it's so much damage, um, and it's a good reason to plus your Karn in this matchup. Yeah, no reason to let them kill it when it was just going to beat them anyways. You don't need to end the game that much faster. <laughs> sure, it'll be fine. Yeah, and speaking of Karn the Great Creator, that. I feel like populations of that card are rising in oh, the yeah. decks that can play it like mm-hmm. pretty drastically. Seen it a lot in Amulet, seen it a lot in Devoted Druid, yeah. uh, and then both obviously Eldrazi Tron is based around it, and then regular Tron has been running it more and more. Yeah, so it's fair. Yeah, I think now that Hogak has died down mm-hmm. and you know gotten banned, but uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a good reason uh, to die. Yeah, down. there's a little more like you know the format's going to mellow out a little bit, slow down a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think that yeah, we're definitely getting back into a setting where a card like that can excel yeah and it's just if you draw it in your hand it can make 
the Urza game, your game against Urza, like kind of a buy instead of actually having to play Magic against them. And <laughs> yeah, who wants to play Magic anyways? I, that that is how I lost my first round at the IQ. My opponent just on the play, game one, cast Karn on turn three, and I, oh, none of my cards work. I scooped to it on the stack. Yup. <clears throat> so yeah. I had no answers to it. Main deck. Yeah. Unless he like really punted, and then I drew a non-artifact red source, and then my one main deck Galvanic Blast. But I didn't really want to. I just wanted to play the next game. Yeah, which went just as badly. But you know. well, you know. <laughs> yeah. So not a ton to say about modern right now. Mm-hmm. Those are the thoughts that I have been having. But burn's I think still around. Burn is still around. Burn's yeah. doing great in a lot of tournaments. It's I won in, another IQ last weekend. Yeah, won another IQ last weekend. Yeah. Great. Sorry, I even <laughs> forgot to just say that because like whatever, it keeps happening. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, well, you know, to be fair, I played in two IQs and mm. I only came away with one top eight. So ah, uh, that's you're really b- running below. That average. average is pretty low for this one. That's yeah. not up to your standards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I was playing modern this past weekend. I was definitely kind of looking forward to those IQs being over. Not because I don't enjoy playing them or whatever, but mm-hmm. I, I, I felt like my head wasn't really in modern as yeah. much because I've been just doing pretty much only legacy. Yep. But yeah, it, I guess. The paper players are not quite respecting burn to the level of all of the lists I'm seeing online. Yeah. Online burn is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, in in our local meta, it's definitely slower to shift. I definitely got Kitchen Finks out of one tournament. But... <laughs> Kitchen Finks is back. Could oh, yeah. not cast Kitchen Finks for a while in this format. Yeah, a lot of people were playing Devoted Druid. I played against one player who was on the, just like the old school, like have all the combos Devoted Druid deck mm. with the old yes. gain infinite life. Yeah, yeah, with like Viscera Seer or I guess Carrion Feeder is probably the better one now, but. Uh, they had a Viscera Seer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, real old school. Yeah. I, I don't know. Honestly, in that deck. Carrying feeder feels a little out of place just because, you know, what are you going to do with an infinitely large duder once you've already, you know, established your combo? Might as well just be able to stack your deck and kill them or whatever. Yeah, but you, it doesn't really stack your deck. It just like vampiric tutors you. Yeah. Which is good. It's certainly very good. Yeah, it's not quite stacking your deck, but you're allowed to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Without changing your order. (laughs) And just put, yeah, you just get to cut to what you want and then keep everything in the same order, which is probably, probably better than an infinite infinite, but sometimes carry and feeder. I don't know. I have not played that version of the deck, so. In the games, I think that the the difference maker for me is that in the games where you're not comboing, but Mm -hmm. you're trying to use this as like a value sack outlet. Being able to, that scry to like dig you towards what you need, I think yeah. is going to be a little more relevant. Better than having like a 4-4 that can't block. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I could see that. Yeah. Anyways, so how is legacy testing going? Wild. Yeah. It's pretty wild. I think all members of our team are playing a different deck. Yeah. So. <laughs> so decks that people have been high on. Yeah. So the the highlights are... You know, I think that Rug Delver is pretty clearly, like, the, the boogeyman right now. Mm-hmm. It's the most heavily played deck. It's very yeah. good. Yeah, it's very good. It's, I think, a, an excellent default for, you know, anybody just kind of jumping in or whatever. Your mileage may vary. I think it's the most skill-intensive deck, which is why I think some of us are leaning a little more towards it, because we want to be playing maximum turns mm-hmm. in Legacy. Um, right. We're all pretty proficient Legacy pilots. It's like the one deck that you can lean on your skill advantage a little more with. Mm-hmm. And it did really well in the Legacy playoff last weekend. It did. It was won by Jarvis. Jarvis won, yeah. Yeah. So I did a lot of testing with his deck. Very good. 
Um, it was the deck I felt like I was winning the most with. Same. I, I feel like I win more with Tumor Delver than yep. with anything else in Legacy. Right. So yeah, so that's like level one. Other decks that we are considering playing are Sneak and Show as one of the combo decks that's you know pretty straightforward. I'm a little more hesitant on Sneak and Show because I think that your Delver matchup is pretty bad right now. And not that, a great spot. Yeah, that's not really where you want to be. And that's kind of fluctuated for Sneak and Show. Mm-hmm. It, it really depends on like how you know aggressively these Delver decks are tuning their decks to beat combo decks. Mm-hmm. But people are playing like, you know, the second Force of Negation. So yeah, they have six of those. Yeah. You know, a ton of other counter spells. Yeah, yeah. The main deck spell <laughs> pierces are like pretty brutal. Yeah. So I'm not super excited about Sneak and Show. The other combo deck that people really like is Anosium Tendrils, mm-hmm. which I think is probably might be one of the best position decks just in the format. Mm-hmm. The problem with it is that it's really hard to play. <laughs> you, it's, like, really tough. I've got a decent amount of experience with it, but, you know, the leagues that I played with it, I probably made, like, 20 punts that I recognized, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, I've been watching Dylan play a lot with it, and everyone's still got it. He goes, oh, no, Dylan, come on. It's <laughs> <laughs> like saying that to himself, and I'm like, oh, he's playing Storm, and it's hard. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> yeah. It is really hard. It is <clears throat> certainly really powerful. They can fight through a, an enormous amount of hate and still, like, has those games where it, like, tr- ends up trading a bunch of resources and then just ends up with 10 goblins in play, and that's good enough. And, yeah. No, um, yeah, for sure. I think it's probably, the like, one of the better combo decks. Um, just because it actually has a good matchup against Delver, mm-hmm. whereas most of the other decks don't have a good matchup against Delver. And it's, like, a little weaker to, like, the more mid-rangey your opponent gets, I think, uh, like, it's a little worse. Because typically those decks play discard in addition to counterspells, and that mm-hmm. can be rough. Um, whereas, like, Sneak and Show is much better against, like, the more mid-rangey versions that don't clock you. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so so that's kind of, like, the Storm category. Um, another deck that we revisited kind of late in the week was Death and Taxes. Hmm. Zan decided that he wanted to try out Death and Taxes because we just kind of, in theory, liked Death and Taxes against the field. Mm-hmm. It's got a positive matchup against the Delver decks, which is really where we want to be. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot of really good game against all of the combo decks, which is nice. You know, and I, I definitely tested a, a little bit with that. It's another deck that you can really lean on your skill advantage in. Um, the games do go longer with Death and Taxes than probably any yeah. other deck in, like, <laughs> yeah. like even Miracles. Like, And a lot of, you can do a lot of wild things with Death yeah. and Taxes yeah. that, that, you know, you can definitely, like, look at a board state, like, against playing against an opponent with, with that's playing Death and Taxes, and, you know, you look at the board state and you're like, okay, like, these things can happen, and then something else happens that they, did, like, they flick with some weird thing. Yeah, and, if there's a vial on three, like, that board, who knows what that board is going to look like by <laughs> right. the end of the next turn cycle. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. So I do like Death and Taxes, and I was pretty close to pulling the trigger on playing Death and Taxes. Is the, is Ren and Six just not, like, as big of a problem for the deck as it would seem to be, or? It, um, it's not, I okay. don't think. It doesn't, it's, like, good, and it can run away with the game in some scenarios, mm-hmm. but it, it actually doesn't line up as well against a lot of the draws than you might expect. Okay. Because... Thalia makes a cost an additional mana, sure. and you know if you're on the play, then they're never going to be able to hit your turn two Thalia with yeah. it. Kind of like the worst scenarios that they can like hit your mom if they're on the play. Mm-hmm. That's kind of annoying. But everything else, like you have pretty good tools and enough 
creatures that aren't X1s that can pressure it pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, Stormforged Mystic does an excellent job of, like, you know, getting an equipment on something typically means that your opponent can't really interact with more than just the Ren and Six. Like, if you can if you can find a way to, like, slow roll the game enough to be able to play a creature and equip it with sort of Fire and Ice, that creature is, like, pretty untouchable right. from your Ren and Six opponent most of the time. And it is destroying them right sure yeah oh yeah no for sure um so definitely a lot of game um magic has gotten really like fast lately but death nexus does and that's like kind of warped the way that i think about like cards and how they interact with each other Mm -hmm. in some ways like i'm like okay ren and six what does this mean for this deck oh it typically means that you know like their early x ones are gonna get pinged off and that's annoying Mm -hmm. but death and axis is allowed to play this like slower game where yeah you get your ren and six out and you can get some lands Mm -hmm. from it and it'll stick around and be kind of annoying but i can like play through it yeah in this like longer slower grindy game Mm -hmm. where you know i like i'm slow rolling things and then i put down two threats and one of them is going to be able to pressure yeah and you know i'll be able to equip one of them with the sword or whatever you know or can get down my batter skull and that does a really good job at pressuring it as well mm-hmm. so the way that the games play out with death and taxes are much like slower and definitely kind of go against this like really fast paced like you know tarmogoyfs and delvers and reanimator and storm and all this stuff legacy has gotten much slower from from what i like remember mm-hmm. so i think that's it's a good time for for dnt because of that cool yeah um, and definitely, like, the Delver decks are not built to match up against Death and Taxes right now. Like, yeah, Death and Taxes is not on the radar. Yep. Even a little bit. The The way that they're built is their main deck removal is four Lightning Bolts, and then maybe one slot for a Forked Bolt or a Magmatic Sinkhole. That's the removal. And then there's rarely much removal in the sideboard, because they're usually... Those slots are spent attacking specific threats in the format. Yep. So there's, like... A Null Rod and an Ancient Grudge and a Crop Rotation Package mm-hmm. and a Hydro Blast and Pyroblast. And, you know, this is not, there's not room for, like, situational extra red removal spells mm-hmm. in yeah. the sideboard. So you're not able to fight the creatures out of another, like, small creature deck on yeah. that sort of removal access. Yeah, the removal has definitely been condensed down to four bolts. Yep. Um, and I guess one rough tumble in the sideboard is pretty common. Yeah, yeah, and that, that can definitely get you, um, for sure. But, but yeah, and, and kind of because of that same concept, I considered Infect for a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. I think E.W. Landon put up a pretty good result in the uh, Legacy Qualifier, or Legacy Playoff, with rug infect splashing for ren and six yeah which was pretty interesting and yeah i I was considering that you know maybe the rug players are leaning too heavily on their own ren and sixes and saying oh this will this covers me for elves and Mm -hmm. death taxes and blah blah blah." yeah but i just don't think like I, i i played rug against elves quite a bit and there were a couple of games where I ran away with a, a Ren and Six and was able to protect it. But the ability that they have to fight through it is, like, pretty astonishing. Hmm. Like, they were able to just, like, continually have a board presence. And I found myself, like, not attacking with my Tarmogoyf, which... Is I, a bad sign. Yeah. Which I did kind of because I was trying to protect my Ren and Six. Mm-hmm. But looking back on the game after the fact, I was like, man, if I just, like, turn this creature sideways every turn and just, like, let the Ren and Six go, mm-hmm. I probably would have won... Like, four turns ago. Hmm. So, I don't know if that's a good or a bad sign, but... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
but yeah, Renin 6 is definitely, I think people might be leaning on it a little too heavily and just assuming that it covers all their bases, where yeah. I think, you know, decks like Infect and Death Nexus can definitely fight through right. one. And everybody that you're playing against is going to be aware of Renin 6 and going yeah. to believe that they can beat that card or right. else they would not have brought yeah. this deck to the tournament. And just like playing extra cards that can deal with it. Like Hydroblast is mm-hmm. definitely much more popular than it ever was. Yep, a lot of Abrupt Decays and, yeah. you know, not... Not that that's the ideal solution, because if you plus one and get your Wasteland back and then get it Abrupt Decayed, you're fine with that. But it's better than getting Wastelanded every turn. Right. I will say, though, that one strategy that I, like a couple weeks ago, would have just listed as the best deck in Legacy, which is Green Black Depths, um, I've not seen a lot of. Yeah, so Thomas Hepp actually wrote an interesting tweet about that. So his... Mm -hmm. He teamed with us, with me and Jeremy, a couple of opens ago. He is known for playing Bug Depths. Yeah. And he did a little write-up on Twitter on why he thinks that Bug Depths may not be the deck to play for Mm -hmm. the next, you know, couple of weeks or something. Right. Uh, Part of it is a number of lands-based strategies with Knight of the Reliquary and that sort of thing that are really hard to beat with a traditional Depths deck. Yeah. Um, But a big part of it is just that the, Del- the the Delver decks are choosing not to lose two depths anymore. Yeah. And they're running a crop rotation package in their sideboard, and they have access to Caracas, and that makes it really, really hard. If you just don't know if they're going to... You, you go off, and they might just immediately crop rotation, get a Caracas, kill, mm-hmm. your, kill your 2020, and that turns a very good matchup into a matchup where they have tools to completely beat what you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that... I don't know if that's exactly the reason, but I think it's a it, contributing it's factor. Yeah, absolutely. It, I think the general idea is that, yeah, people are much more prepared for depths, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so that deck has definitely died down a little bit. And I really would have loved for it to be, you know, I <laughs> I kind of wanted to play it at the team tournament that I ended up playing Reanimator in. Mm-hmm. You know, re- I found out Reanimator was busted, yeah. so I went yeah. with that. And, you know, I, I figured that, like, oh, maybe I'm going to have another shot in Syracuse. But, yeah, people are just way too prepared. Yeah. There is a lands strategy that my teammates <laughs> have been working on. So, yeah, Evan Whitehouse, Casey Lancaster, and Abe Corrigan are all put in a lot of time to this deck that they call Shrek. <laughs> um, and <laughs> what a classic, just, like, legacy naming of just a deck. just has nothing to deck. do with the deck Yeah, Shrek, at all. why is it called Shrek? And they're all just like... I don't know, <laughs> but they're they, they like pretend there's a reason they're not telling you. But right, there's yeah, actually yeah. just no reason. No, whatsoever. something about like throne of like Eldraine is you know yeah. kind of fantasy themed, but yeah. yeah, throne of Eldraine is Shrek, magically having <laughs> Shrek. Like yeah. that's clearly like the starting point for this. But yeah. but yeah, okay. So this deck is it's like a hybrid between lands and maverick Mm -hmm. where it plays explorations and loams and crop rotation just like lands Mm -hmm. and then it also plays a green sun zenith package yeah the green sun zenith package for uh neither reliquaries they're playing the new elvers reclaimer Mm -hmm. and just generally trying to do landsy stuff yeah and run and six and then some yeah, like yeah. controlly kind of cards and you know they seem all pretty confident with it i'm pretty sure that's what evan's locked in on playing this weekend it lives in that world of slower legacy decks that are kind of designed to beat up on delver mm-hmm. but have troubles against some of the not all but 
definitely some of the more focused linear decks of the format that, you know, that Delver tends to beat up on. Sure. So there's like a rock, paper, scissors kind of thing there. I am a little, you know, they're smart guys. They're winning a lot with the deck. I have absolute confidence that, you know, they are making the best decision for themselves. Yeah. In general, though, I do think that there is a tendency for good players to try to outsmart Legacy by playing a deck that is playing like some not traditional Legacy cards. Sure. And using the fact that it has a really good Delver matchup to sort of justify that. And that's kind of the focus of the deck building. Right, right. I think that's really common. And I think, like, I think I fell into that trap by playing Aluren in a tournament. I think that's exactly what Aluren was. I think that's what a lot of these, like, four-color piles are. Yeah. Uh, we lose everything else. We lose it's a fine. lot it's, of other stuff. It's fine, yeah. And, and Edgar is obviously great. Yeah. You know, a tremendous magic player, great deck builder. Right. Um, and so I'm sure these decks are, like, getting close to the line of fine. Right. But the, the like, brewing a deck that beats the crap out of Delver but, like, has these holes that you kind of p- put blunders on for is, like, a time-honored tradition of Legacy at this point. Yeah, uh, for sure. So... Maybe be careful of that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and another thing that happens a lot in that kind of scenario is that, that you know, you play a deck, it's got a lot of really polarized matchups, mm-hmm. and then your sideboard is just jam-packed with, like, hate, lines like of the hate cards and, yep. for the matchups that you're really bad against. Yeah, And, you know, maybe in a London Mulligan scenario where you can just find those cards, that could be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely think that there, like, is something potentially there where you're like, okay, these are my bad matchups, let's just... And, and these matchups can get really screwed out by haymakers. Yeah. You know, that's definitely a strategy for sure, but you know, I'm not I'm not really sold on this track deck. I really wanted it to be great at the beginning of my testing. I just couldn't quite yeah. get sold on the idea. Yeah. Um, you know, I played a good bit with it. It just felt like there were there were just too many times where the deck just kind of spun its wheels forever and I ended up losing games that like I was in a dominating position for a long time in. But my deck was just full of so much air that I just like couldn't like, yeah. close or whatever. But and maybe here's, that was... here's this life from the loam. I guess I can get back to this wasteland, but their right. lands are three basics now. And yeah, and and also the loams just kind of feel a little awkward in the deck because the deck doesn't actually want to loam that much. No, like you know, if you don't have like an exploration and a field of the dead going. Like, there's not really that much incentive to, like, loam over and over again. And it's hard to loam into the combo because... They're not running that many copies of the combo. There's one Dark Depths in the deck. Right. So you're not just going to be able to spike it off of, like, your three cards that you're milling. Right. You need to Crop Rotation or Elvish Reclaimer or Knight of the Reliquary. Cards that require a draw step to get into your hand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, I don't have specific, like, I don't think that this deck is good enough against the field, but I think generally the, like, building a slow deck that beats up on Delver, because, like, you also end up with a positive matchup against Delver in your Magic Online testing, and then you go to the tournament and you get matched up against Delver for the third time, and then you draw a hand that, like, stumbles a little on lands, and you get wastelanded, and then you die to a Delver <laughs> Secrets. Right. Like... It just happened. Like, no matter how good your deck is against Delver, that can happen to you. Yeah, I mean, Delver's still Delver. Yeah, I, you know, I I'm, I also came pretty close to playing Delver this weekend. Mm-hmm. What I believe I'm going to end up back on is Reanimator. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, how yeah. good do you think Reanimator so, is right now? So I spent a lot of, I spent pretty much all of my time testing non-Reanimator decks. Mm-hmm. 
And you don't need to test your animator, right? Yeah, not really. It's just how many ley lines of the void yes, exactly. are there in this And I, I kind of told myself that nearing the end of testing, I was going to revisit and look at what everybody else's deck lists look like and see how much respect your animator is getting. Yeah. People are not respecting it anymore. <laughs> there are, I'm, I'm seeing no ley lines. I'm seeing, you know, like... Handful of surgicals. Yeah. Which like is not... Two surgicals and a fairy macabre mm-hmm. is kind of like what I'm seeing. And and these are cards that you can just, you know, you have, you have you thoughtsies, thoughtsies effects in your deck. Yep. Just got to make sure that you sequence appropriately. Thoughtsies first. Right. Yeah. Post-board, thoughtsies first. That's the secret. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Don't, don't dark ritual. Don't yeah. like... Don't looting. Don't lotus petal. Just right. like... Yeah. Um, you can dark ritual first. Yeah, I guess you can dark ritual. Yeah. Depends on... But yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely sure. don't faithless looting first. That's that's a disaster. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Definitely did that plenty of times in testing. Right? <laughs> faithless looting, like, pedal dark ritual, thought sees you, and they surgical. You know, like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do this well. But yeah, so from what I'm seeing, it's not really getting a ton of respect. And uh, I think I'm going to go back to enchantment hate instead of the rotting registers mm-hmm. uh, just because i know that the shrek deck is going to have ley lines and i want to be prepared against um mono red prison as well who has okay. ley lines but no other deck is running ley lines and i sat down with evan earlier today because we were kind of reworking some we, evan has his uh, matchup grid that spits out like a estimated win percentage against the field if you put in all of your like estimated mm-hmm. matchup percentages and i was going over a lot of the ones for death and taxes because i felt like a lot of those were just wrong in his initial sheet okay like i wasn't there neither xan or i were there for the initial like construction of that and i guess they just assumed that death and taxes was terrible against everything <laughs> I, don't, I don't know but i was like okay you know death and taxes definitely beats up on um storm and mm-hmm. they had it as a dog and uh <laughs> you're favorite against delver and they had it as like 50 50 and it's good against reanimator too yeah like, so i reworked that and i was like and after i finished that you know it definitely had like a, a more respectable win percentage against the field mm-hmm. Uh, which definitely aligns with Zan and I's thought process on why Death and Taxes is good. But then I asked Evan, I was like, okay, what deck is just the best naturally against the field? And he was like, oh, Blackwood Reanimator. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> don't do this to me. So then I went back and I wanted to look at all of his Blackwood Reanimator percentages. And I was like, can I just put in my own numbers? Because with my own bias and right. just we'll see what happens. Yeah. And they like it started off as like it was like a 58 against the field and when i was done it had like a 64 <laughs> against the field. just be honest because i honestly believe that blackguard reanimator against a deck that doesn't contain leyline the void mm-hmm. you can't be worse than a 45 percent. yeah you might even not be able to be worse than a 50 percent match mm-hmm. it's you know the deck is so good at fighting through any form of hate that isn't leyline of the void yeah so what is your leyline of the void solution is it Wear tear or is it reverent well, silence or yeah. okay yeah I'm I'm gonna be running for reverent silence okay um just because it's the it's you know it's really mana efficient you yep. can cast it on the turn one if you like want to go off mm-hmm. uh that's kind of like my my tiebreaker there yeah just means you have to run a bayou is like the main drawback yeah. of it but. and that's not that bad but you just have a bayou yeah and I mean mm-hmm. wear tear means you have to run a scrubland or whatever so um yeah the tra- like the traditional lists run splash white for a wear tear and a serenity mm. i still don't get it 
Serenity is the... <laughs> it's a two-mana enchantment that says, at the beginning of your upkeep, destroy all artifacts and enchantments. Ah, uh, okay. So it solves... There's one matchup where I could see wanting it in, and that's Monored Stompy. Mm-hmm. Monored Prison. What about um, Enchantress? Okay. <laughs> one and a half matchups. I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen an actual human being playing Enchantress. I, I mean, I've played against my fair share of Enchantress. I mean, in paper, though. Two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see everything in these leagues, too. But Oh, yeah. Like... Decks that people would absolutely never put together and bring Well, to I don't know if Enchantress has 5 owed a Legacy League that, in the past several months. That so. might be true. That might just not have happened. <laughs> Elephant Grass is not quite getting it done these days. <laughs> That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, Sarah Sanctum is still good, though. Sarah Sanctum is a broken magic card. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, if you ever want to play Ley Lines, the mm-hmm. deck. Yeah. Just, like, have five mana on turn one. Don't, I think that deck is, like, 5% against... <laughs> A goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, you. Oh, is man. that just ley lines and opalescence? Is that what it is? Like the what? deck is just you mulligan towards you mulligan until you have in your hand opalescence, sanctum, and then ley lines. Yeah, yeah that's... and often you're you've mulliganed so far down. You just don't have enough ley lines. You just don't have enough ley lines. <laughs> And your opalescence taps for, or your your sanctum taps for like two mana, and yep. then you ha- like have to rip another one. <laughs> <laughs> and then all you all you did is make like two four fours or something. Oh yeah, and then you get a hit of eight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the but the one game that you put in like five ley lines, and then you also have them, then that's yeah, that's great. It, you, yeah, that's a turn one. You did it. The ley lines can attack that turn because right. they came in at the beginning of the game. It's crazy, amazing. Yeah, yeah, not a good deck. <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> okay, cool. So probably on Reanimator. Um, I am still here, just kind of like practicing with Delver. It's mm-hmm. the deck that I seem to be winning with the most, yeah. and it's a lot of options for deck building with Delver. I think I really want to, and I'm kind of sad that I never got around to it, but just pull the trigger on cutting all the Tarmogoyfs mm-hmm. for Elfish Claimers. Yeah. And just seeing what happens. Yeah. It's just a Tarmogoyf, but a mana cheaper. Yeah. I That's that's my next build that I'm going to run through a couple of leagues mm-hmm. is without... Um, just take Jarvis's list. Yep. Replace the Destructible Reverie and Cyborg with an Ancient Grudge. Mm-hmm. And then replace the four Tarmogoyfs with Elfish Claimers and just see what it looks like. Yeah. I don't need the Depths combo in there because no. I just... Elvish Reclaimer is a way to find your Fiery Islet a little more easily in a game that's going longer and you need mm. it. Uh, get an extra Wasteland. That's pretty slow, but sometimes, you know, your opponent misses a land drop and you're just like, yeah, I will spend a turn getting a Wasteland here because yeah. it's really good. And it also comes just for sure. being one mm. mana is the main thing. Yeah, so. yeah, the number of times that I've, like, you know, turned two, cantripped, and then found a Tarmogoyf, mm-hmm. been really sad and passed the turn. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, that doesn't need to happen. Absolutely. Uh, it does make it a little bit more like you got to think about which mana you're using to cantrip with. Mm-hmm. Am I more likely to want to have a red up to bolt or yeah. to cast a reclaimer this turn? But that's yeah. just normal magic plane. Yeah. I will say as well, though, that Hex Drinker, my opinions on Hex Drinker has gone up and up. Okay. As I've seen it played. I don't think that you want to have a ton in your deck, mm-hmm. but I think that the one of is like important in, in the mm. strategy. Um, they're just like, it's just so good in the, the mid range matchups, like the mirror, mm-hmm. like all the other, you know, matchups. If you can just like kind of sandbag it for late in the game yeah, and then like play it and make it a four, four, 
a lot of decks are just cold to that, and then you can just spend the next like turn and a half making it a, this unbeatable threat, which yeah. is really good. Um, I did play Jarvis's list through a league, and I was pretty... I just had matchups and situations where Hex Drinker was not very good. Sure. It definitely sucks when you get your Hex Drinker Ren and Sixed. Yes. But I think that is more of a play smart sort of situation. Yeah. My problem was mostly that I kept playing in matchups that resulted in neither player having very many lands in play, and sure. that made Hex Drinker not an effective threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I really want to play around more with Elvish Reclaimer in general, just as like a super flexible kind of threat, and mm-hmm. also makes your sideboarding into crop rotation package plan that much better, because you just have that. Yeah, you have an extra yeah. Caracas. You have an extra bunch of Caracas, or whatever. Yes. You're going to find them. Yes. So that that's definitely a thing that I am going to be working on because I I also just really have liked Elvish Reclaimer's body in the in a lot of matchups. Just it's so yeah. efficient and yeah, it's it's very good for sure. We do have to talk about the Susurus deck. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. We there was a point this week where we were all locked on playing it. <laughs> we were like, oh my god, this deck is broken. <laughs> like, I came home and everybody was just, like, raving about the deck. Yeah. Everybody was like, okay, we need to find eight copies of this deck. <laughs> it's going to be broken. Yeah. The next day, everybody was off it. <laughs> so this <laughs> is... Spoilers. This is a colorless ancient tomb deck yeah. that plays a ton of fast mana artifacts. And by fast mana artifacts, I mean the big fast mana artifacts. So Grim Monolith and oh, Thran yeah. Dynamo... Mm-hmm. Got some uh, keys in there to really make them go. Yeah, Voltaic Key, and the payoffs are Karn the Great Creator, mm-hmm. Mystic Forge, yeah. and Inventor's Fair for Mystic Forge. Right, yeah. Um, but it's very easy for it to kind of go through its whole deck with Mystic Forge mm-hmm. because the artifacts, like, you cast it, and then it immediately makes mana. Voltaic Key helps you just make a ton of mana or untap your Mystic Forge so you get an extra exile if you need it. Uh, the deck doesn't have that many lands, so you just kind of like chain artifacts into play until you're just like, here is this Karn, and then you yeah. do something with it. It has a lot of vulnerabilities, though. It loses to a Pithing Needle. <laughs> yes. Pithing Needle Karn. You're done. Your move. Yeah. Pithing Needle Karn, it, that's it. Yeah. Uh, also, any kind of thing that shuts off artifacts, so a null rod, mm-hmm. which all the Deviler decks are playing, also... I like having one null rod in the yeah. sideboard. It's great, against, oof. it's great against Storm, and it's great in these sorts of matchups. So. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I was playing a game, and I was like, you know, like, I, I had it. You know, mm-hmm. I, like, you know, played my turn one Karn, it was great, like, I, you know, I pass the turn, my opponent plays a Collector Oof, and I'm like, okay, and I look at my sideboard. And there's a walking ballista. All right, that's not going to work. Nope. Uh, there's a the thing that taps to add counters to it, and then you blow up all the permanents. A, a ratchet bomb? A ratchet bomb. Yeah, okay, that's also... Oh, actually, I'm just stone dead to this collect roof. <laughs> Even though I can tutor my sideboard for any card, any artifact, that I'm just... Artifacts just... are not very effective against it. Nope. Um, you need dismember. Yeah. And that's... Basically it. <laughs> yeah, you you need dismember. I could see an argument for having some number of the land that charges up. Oh yeah, blast zones. Yeah, so yeah, it's gotta have zones. Yeah, did, did does the original list not have any blast zones in no. it? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. The the original list is just stone to these cards. Yeah. It's just cold, yeah. and it's also. <clears throat> 
I think as long as the, a Delver deck has a couple of cards it can bring in, mm-hmm. like if there's like an Ancient Grudge and a Null Rod in the Delver sideboard and they yeah. go up to like six forces after board, right. I think you're disfavored against Delver too. Yeah, because... And the one the one argument that I kept on hearing was that, oh, you just slam threats over and over again and you'll like, f- you know, find your way through all of their forces. But they're clocking you. They're Not only are they clocking you, but they're wastelanding you. Yeah. And all of your mana is one shot. Like, you're, you're not going to get another activation of your Grim Monolith. Right. <laughs> you, like, you do all the stuff to make your play, and then your opponent forces it, and then wastelands your soul land, and that's it. You're, yeah. you're, you're taking, like, four draw steps before you can make another game action. Yeah, and meanwhile, you're taking three a turn against their, like, one threat draws. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, <laughs> so the story of our testing is that Abe is like, guys, this deck's busted. I'm like 13 and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't lose with the deck, um, despite like really trying to. Uh, and we we're like, okay. So like everybody tested it a bunch. Evan had some success with it, but me and Jonathan and Dylan were all like one and X <laughs> with the deck. <laughs> so. It was a it was a fun dream while it lasted. Yeah, and I oh man, I really wanted it to be great because um, that's like you know I like I love stumbling across like new strategies that right. end up being broken and you know, like you can be the one to like play it for the first time of the weekend. So I, you know I I wanted it, but it, it didn't show up. I have the weirdest <laughs> screenshot in my screenshots folder right now. I played against us or was playing this deck. Mm-hmm. I was just mm-hmm. on a team or Delver build that I was trying out, and uh, I won game one. And then he just went off against me, game two. Yeah. Just, like, littering the board with stuff. You know, I countered a Karn, and then I countered another Karn. Through through defense grid, I was paying... My, my force of wills oh, were yeah. cancels. <laughs> because oh, yeah. I didn't... After I had my two threats in play, I didn't need to play anything. But eventually, he got out a Chalice on one, and an Ensnaring Bridge, and emptied his hand. And then he just scooped. <laughs> I had, I had countered two Karns and a Paradox Engine. Yeah. And I had another Force up. Yeah. Right? It was a very good was drop. Was he out of Karns? I don't know. My, like, the only thing that I could possibly think is that he had somehow boarded out two Karns. That could happen. Um, You know, it's... If you're getting clocked, you don't want to get, like, Karn flooded, but it's sure. also the only payoff of the deck. Yeah, you, I mean, so, you're, you need to jam those through all the Force of Wills. Right. So. so I don't know if that was what happened or if he just needed to go to dinner. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Kind of, like, more likely to be the thing. And <laughs> yeah, we, were, yeah. we were definitely playing a game where he had to, like, he was taking draw steps and his mm-hmm. mystic forge like wasn't quite getting there yeah but it also you know he had 15 cards left in his library maybe there was nothing left in there so <laughs> i know i don't really yeah. know what happened it's one of the weirdest screenshots in my screenshot well sussers if you're listening to the podcast we, we'd love, I'd to, love know. to know yeah <laughs> like you know what happened i definitely scooped a similar game uh i well i think it involved one of those like weird cards that like incidentally just breaks me uh-huh. because i like my opponent had a pithing needle out on karn but I, you know, I was going with, like, Mystic Forge. I was doing a lot of stuff. I just, like, dumped all these permanents out. And then I scooped because I couldn't win. no way to win. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, in, in combination with the number of times that I've, like, resolved an early Mystic Forge, but the game, like, I've just, like, not been able to go off from there, and the game has lasted another, like, four turns that I end up losing. Yeah. It's just not really where I want to be. No, definitely not. Do we want to be in some Thrones of Eldraine spoilers? 
Sure. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to add about Legacy, but there are some pretty cool Thrones I think cards. We covered so. most things. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Is it Thrones of Eldraine or Throne of Eldraine? Uh, 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 who knows? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. Scryfall. All right. It is Throne of Eldraine. There's just one throne. So. This isn't a game of thrones. It's just. Just the one, the one throne. <laughs> So a lot of pretty crazy cards that they've yeah. spoiled. So the one of the craziest ones, Once Upon a Time, yeah. which is one in a green for an instant. If this spell is the first spell you've cast this game, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. This card seems bonkers to me. It's pretty wild. I think I have like a a different opinion than most Mm -hmm. i don't think that card's that good Hmm. in order for it to be great it has to be in your opening hand yeah well or on your first draw step or so sure in standard like probably a lot of times you'll have like two draw steps to get it before you Mm -hmm. cast your like two two draw mana guy yeah so right so you know it's like but it's like it's like fine there Mm -hmm. i think for the most part i don't think that it really enables many busted things happening Mm -hmm. i don't think this card's gonna end up in tron Hmm. i don't really think that uh it's gonna be that worth to like have and cast late game if if unless it enables something that great i don't i don't know i'm just like really struggling to see this card overperforming in many scenarios well so here's like my thoughts on it so like for standard and i i don't remember exactly the stats but i think uh i think frank carson mathed mathed some stuff out um it raises your if you have four one mana mana accelerators in your deck which with gilded goose uh i believe that is what we're gonna have um i don't know how good the goose is actually going to be uh, but I, i think it will certainly be a playable card that you want to cast on turn one yeah uh, and it raises your odds of having a Gilded Goose on turn one by a pretty significant amount, by, like, several percentage points, by, like, seven or eight percentage points. Uh, and, it, like, it, it raises your number of turn one gooses to over 50%. Mm. Um, I think that's a pretty significant change, and I also think that in standard casting this for two is going to, you know, this will be a totally fine top fine. deck. Sure. It's... it's mid to late game you're drawing cards you draw this for your turn great i get five looks at the creature that i want to cast because we have lots of four and five mana creatures that are going to be fine Mm -hmm. um i do agree i think this will see some play in tron but i do think yeah it especially like the backside is significantly worse in tron you're never digging for a creature in the late game i mean yeah maybe an an ulamog at some point but you're not that likely to hit ulamog (laughs) off of this you only have like five hits that are good yeah but it does raise your turn three Tron rate pretty significantly. Um, I don't know what is the cut for it. If it's like just, you know, you cut a couple of cards from each category out of your deck. I think it's pretty good in Amulet potentially. It does. Yeah. I mean, being able to dig for a Titan is something that that deck doesn't have a lot of access to. They're leaning pretty hard on their tutors and like having eight copies. Yeah. (laughs) And this, you know, whether you are digging for Azusa or Titan or the turn one you cast it and you're like oh yeah well here's my sakura tribe scout like Mm -hmm. you know there's there's a lot of stuff or just getting the right bounce land sometimes you have hands that just don't have a bounce land and you're like well this would be great if it just had that yeah 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 and it's pretty easy to fit in a single cast for two mana at some point on turn you know three ish or so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean you know it's probably not quite as insane as people think it is and the backside is (laughs) casting the backside 
is a reasonable drawback, particularly in modern. Yeah. I, I could totally see myself being wrong about this card. Mm-hmm. Um, I am just skeptical. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's going to be quite as good. But, you know, maybe with, like, the new mulligan philosophies of just, like, really needing to dig for, like, powerful hands, this, like, can help facilitate that. It just feels like it would feel pretty bad to, like, mulligan to five and mm-hmm. then have this be, like, one of the cards that you're keeping because you need something specific and then you don't hit on your five cards. Yeah. But this gives that. you a chance <clears throat> to get that. Yeah. Where that five card hand probably wouldn't have sure. had that chance otherwise. Yeah. Um, I think any time this is in your opening hand in a deck that wants this in it, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be, gonna be great. good there for sure. It def- that definitely feels kind of Yu Gi Oh esque a little bit to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you're just like doing free stuff that like <clears throat> right, you really shouldn't be allowed to with do with consistency. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, you know, we'll definitely be testing it um yeah just to see yeah i mean i'm definitely just gonna pick up a set because i yeah i want to have access to it um hard for it to live up to like all of the hype around it but we will see (laughs) people are freaking out about this yeah i get it it costs zero when you cast the the, yeah as the first spell yeah having two in your opening hand is not great yeah so i want to talk about the one that is like my my early pick for most bonkers thing So this is Emery, Lurker of the Lock. This is two and a blue for a one-two Merfolk Wizard. Has affinity for artifacts. It costs yep. one less for each artifact you control. When it enters the battlefield, you can put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. Tap, choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. So, you know, if you are setting your deck up for this, if your opening hand is a zero mana artifact, a Mishra's Bobble, a land in this, yeah, then this is just a one drop that draws a card each turn and then also like helps you a lot with consistency and like tutoring and making sure that you have the right artifacts in play and then making artifact removal not do very much against you. Yeah, I mean, it feels like this card is really good in Urza. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so cheap. It's just going to be one blue, like yeah. a majority of... Like all the time. Like all the time. It's just going to be a single blue for even, your one-two. Even if you didn't get the double zero drop hand, like if you got a zero and a one, then you just cast this on turn two for, for one mana. Yeah. And Or if you have two ones, you cast this on turn two for one mana. If you go astrolabe, astrolabe this. Yeah. Like, I guess she's not quite doing anything at that point. You really want to draw Misha's Bobble with her. Yeah. Or at least a chromatic star or something. Right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, this card seems definitely pretty strong. It'll be interesting to see, like, what kinds of homes this card finds its way into. Well, she also um, has a lot of combo applications, too. True. So with <laughs> Paradox Engine or Jeskai Ascendancy, if you have two Moxes, and these can be either Mox Opals or Mox Ambers, ah. um, that's infinite mana. Yeah. Uh, if you... And then you can probably do whatever with her after that. You've got infinite mana and you can cast artifacts out of your graveyard. You're going to figure out a way to win that game. Obviously, Jeskai Ascendancy is also pumping her up and you can certainly do something with that. Uh, I, you know, I kind of want to give a Jeskai Ascendancy build a try. An artifact Ascendancy deck? Well, you know, it works with Jeskai Ascendancy, technically. Yeah, the non-creature spells trigger. Yeah, and... (laughs) The fact that she works with, like, both moxes is really cool. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you need two of the same type to do the infinite mana thing if you don't have a way to sacrifice the moxes. But I, I feel like there's enough, like, redundancy, and she's cheap and powerful enough. You know, in your combo deck, 
if one of your combo pieces is something you can cast on turn one to just draw a card every turn. Yeah. That's that's really insane. And, you know, on her own, just for one mana, she's going to dig you four cards deeper. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. Like, that's the other thing, too. Yeah. They kill her. Right. Like, she still did something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wild, for sure. Yeah. Quite a card. All right. So something cuter. You may not be as on board with this as okay. I am. <laughs> but Cauldron Familiar. Okay. One black for a 1-1 one, one cat. I like cats. When Cauldron Familiar enters the battlefield, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Great. Sacrifice a food. Return Cauldron Familiar from your graveyard to the battlefield. Ooh. So Witch's Oven is a one mana artifact that you can tap and sacrifice a creature to create a food. Oh, okay. So very slow engine here. But I think that potentially this could work together in a bunch of ways. I mean, like uh, that combo on its own, you have a blocker that can trump block every single turn. Yeah. And you are draining them for one every turn. Yeah. Not super powerful. This is going to be the first deck I draft. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's a hell of a draft yeah. archetype. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you can combine that with, you know, aristocrats kind of stuff, if there's like a Judith in play while you're doing this, that's sure. potentially pretty powerful. I'm also wondering how much the food stuff kind of works together. Um, I'm very excited to see what we can do with food. Right. Because if you're getting a thing that, like, keys off of every time you sacrifice a food, then you do something. Then you're getting that each of these, like, Witches of and Cauldron Familiar cycles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you're also draining them for one every time, so that's not nothing. To me, food is kind of... The concept of it could be potentially kind of similar to energy. Yeah. Um, It's like a resource that sits in reserve... The more food cards you have, the more your other food cards are good. Yeah. Um, and so, like, Oko, the the green-blue planeswalker in particular, just loves you having food lying around for him to trade with your opponent's creatures or turn into 3-3s three to uh, protect him or pressure other planeswalkers. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if this, like, Cauldron's, Cauldron Familiar Witch's Oven thing ends up working, ends up being better in an aristocrat shell, ends up being better with a lot of food, but... It's really cute how well it works together, yeah. and it's really cheap. Yeah, I, I I mean, I just want to take this time to say that I love food as a mechanic. Yes. And, you know, just food. But... It took so long to get the basic concept <laughs> of food into yeah. the game. But... I, I think food is going to be a really awesome limited mechanic. Yeah. Just because it's just kind of naturally on its own makes the game's like allows games to play out longer. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, if your opponent's trying to aggro you out and you've got some food... You could just eat it. You just eat your food. You just eat your food, and then you gain three life, and you're you know you're, you're going to be able to drag the game out a little longer. And I think that that like kind of mechanic in a draft format is uh, like really cool. Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Pretty excited about this set um, for for that reason. Yeah, and definitely, I I agree that most of the food stuff seems more targeted towards limited, and I don't know if we will end up with like a critical mass of them for a very food-based strategy in yeah, Constructed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think Oko is very strong. I, you know, He's been out for a while, so I don't want to spend too much yeah, time talking about him, but we sure. will talk about him in the set review. Anything that you have? Yeah, the... Um, this the, thing? Yeah, the Deafening Silence. Yeah. This card's kind of wild. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a single white for an enchantment. Each player can't cast more than one non-creature spell each turn. This is better <laughs> or identical text, basically, to rule of law yep. for one mana. Right. That's 
really good. Pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Storm players, beware. Mm-hmm. Your white opponents might have a little extra something for you now. Honestly, this is better than a Thorn effect against Storm. Because they can only cast one cantrip per turn to dig to the thing they need. They can't even, like, force their way through. Like, I have, you know, three mana, so your damping sphere means that I only get to cantrip twice to get my hand to the right place. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, like, Gifts Ungiven, I guess, is just, like, a four mana spell against either of them. So neither yeah. of them stop, like, the gifts from happening and, like, setting up the Echoing Truth. But, man, like, this costing one mana and, like, forcing them to get the Echoing Truth before going off yeah if you're backing it up it's gonna be really really a struggle for them to deal with no for sure um yeah it, it just kind of like I, I don't really know what the applications are going to be other than like the obvious like okay storm hate cards or whatever mm. and i also don't know how big of an impact that this card will have it might just like not have that much impact because you know there won't be like slots that it will fill or whatever and it's white and there's a lot of yeah. artifacts like it is very similar it's filling a very similar role to damping sphere yeah. or a thorn right. effect or something for sure but it's just kind of crazy that they're willing to print cards like this now mm-hmm. where like like all these hate cards seem to be getting like more and more aggressive yeah towards like particular archetypes it really shuts some <laughs> stuff down um it it also like if you're a white controlish deck you board this in against infect you can't lose like right. you're just yeah. gonna win yeah they can't ever go for it because if they do you can just kill just their thing and half their guy yeah. yeah yep so i think that this may be one of those cards that the cheapness of it gives it way more applications than you would think of otherwise yeah like if i'm on the play and i'm playing against affinity i would board this in yeah you play this on turn one what the heck are they gonna do right hopefully they have a lot of Mimnites in their hand. Yeah, and like no Moxopal like <laughs> shenanigans. Like right. they just can never do the dump your hand sort of thing. Right. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see uh yeah. You know, just what the applications of where this, this thing shows is. up. Yeah, for definitely. Sure. The other card that I saw that really stood out to me is like like, oh yeah, we're still having power creep is <laughs> the uh the four mana four four haste oh, vigilance. Yeah, death questing touch. beast. Questing beast. Yeah, this yeah. is quite... A, it just keeps going. You start reading it, and you just don't stop for a while. Yeah. It's like a novel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four mana, four, four. Vigilance, death touch, haste. Can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Combat damage that would be dealt by creatures you control can't be prevented. When questing beast deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to target planeswalker that player controls. Yeah. Uh, I like how you just don't make any decisions once you have this on the battlefield. Just jam. Yeah. Yeah. You always attack because you can still block with it. And who are we attacking? We are attacking the player. Them. <laughs> because it's th- them and the... You never have to choose whether to attack the player or yeah. the planeswalker. Uh, I love a good card that you can just poke every time yeah. that it's, it's in play. It's like a good Manus Rider effect of just like... Bleep. And it's like you're casting... You can't chump it. No, nope. you don't want to block it with your good stuff because it's got death touch. Like, what good stuff? Like just you're block. gonna have a four four to block this with? Like, like I, I guess you can chump block it with like Nissa lands. That's one thing that you can chump block it with. Gross. I mean, better than just getting your Nissa. I mean, Nissa is like the one planeswalker that doesn't get absolutely destroyed yeah. by this thing. No, for sure. Because Nissa can like tank a hit from it. Yeah, and then have two three threes that can. Right, Trade both off uh, for it, and all you really ever needed to do was untap with Nissa, and you're probably and you're winning. Oh those yeah, games. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Hydro crisis for a million, and then. But all the threes are pretty bad against this. Like little Teferi can't really, like yeah, you can plus it to go to five, 
But then they play the questing beast, hit you for four, bring Teferi right. down to one, and you're not getting any value out of that Teferi this game. Yeah. Or you can bounce it and they just play it again and it has haste. Yeah, like it, it, yeah, they play this first, hit you. Yeah. You play Teferi, bounce it. They play it again, hit you, and finish off the Teferi for free. <laughs> not good. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, Garrick and Liliana are terrible against this. Yeah. Because they defend themselves by putting tutus into play. Mm-hmm. Can't block. That just hits them. Right. And then hits them down to, a, like, little enough loyalty that they can't kill this anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go on a quest. This, this card is pretty real. I think that... It's so clearly very pushed that it would not have gone out the door unless it was like, yeah, like it's going to be C play, but it's not going to be like the BL and it's a format of creature still at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. I think this is going to be one of those cards that like the existence of it is going to warp what people play and how people build their decks. Yeah. And who knows if it like gets C- to C play in uh, like a bunch of tier one decks or whatever, but its mm-hmm. existence is going to have an impact no matter what. You can also have like this all haste curve of like spellbreaker, questing beast, Skargan, Hellkite, and just really punish anybody playing planeswalkers. Oh yeah, I'm ready for that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that, that yeah, that's probably pretty good for now. Yeah. I really appreciate so fervent champion. This is the one red mana. 1-1 one, one first strike haste knight that is oh is this Tavier's card yeah 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 there it is super super cool i'm really glad that they're doing this sort of thing yeah and yeah. this card's gonna see a lot of play too i think yeah 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 it's a rare red creature that costs one mana yep that, so probably gonna see done yeah <laughs> yeah done <laughs> so pretty neat yeah if you like look at the art there's a bunch of details like his sword is the world championship trophy excellent yeah it's very cute yeah so no that's awesome and he's named the fervent champion because he was the champion and had hazard the fervent in his deck when he won the championship love it so good (laughs) stuff i'm really glad to see things like that pretty cool set so far agreed um and we will be back with more previews more legacy next week probably um yeah um talking about legacy post tournament next time probably yeah um you know and then looking forward to we'll have the whole spoiler for the next episode okay cool cool. so i don't know if that next episode is going to be our set review or maybe the one after that we'll have to see for scheduling and stuff because those episodes are a little time consuming (laughs) yes no for sure but cool. Uh, I think that's it for us today. Yep. Thank you so much to everybody uh, for tuning in. Sorry that we didn't haven't gotten these episodes out exactly when we usually try to, but we're, we'll be back on schedule next week. Thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. If you would like to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast, or you can head straight to our website, mtggrindcast.com, where we have Patreon stuff. We have links to Collins' coaching services. We have all of our old episodes. Uh, you can also find us on social media. The podcast Twitter is at MTG underscore Grindcast. I am tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. And Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins Mullen. Again, thank you so much for listening. Really, really appreciate it. And have a great week. Peace. Peace.